Would you be looking in your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 1? And um, as uh, we're turning to Luke chapter 1, I want to remind you of what's going on as we open the pages to Luke's gospel. You're going to find in verse number 5 that they were in the days of Herod, the king of Judah. Now, this was a, a day where Israel was under the rule of, uh, of this wicked man, Herod. Herod was an ungodly man. He was a vile man. He was a murderous man. And, uh, and he was the one ruling now as king over Judea. Uh, God's people were now under the rule of the unsaved and the ungodly. And uh, this was not at all what God had intended for his people. And yet, here they were. But I want to remind you that this also comes on the heels of 400 years of silence from God. Israel had been in rebellion and uh, they had rebelled against God to the point where God stopped speaking. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't give a vision. There was no word from the Lord for 400 years. Uh, you think about how far back 400 years uh, is from right now in your history. And yet Israel for this long has been without a voice from heaven. And they're under the rule of this wicked man, Herod, and of course the Roman Empire. And uh, these are very difficult days for the people of God when we come to, Roman, to Luke chapter 1. But I want you to see a couple of things very interesting here. And I want you to see, as we read through this passage of Scripture, you're about to see 400 years of spiritual darkness. And now the oppression of the godless ruling over the godly. Remember what the, the, the Proverbs say, you know, the, uh, the psalmist and as well as, as uh, Solomon. Uh, both the Psalms allude to this and Solomon alludes to it. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But boy, when the ungodly are in power, there is suffering and there is agony. That's what Israel is going through in these days. And so when we, come to, when we come to this passage of Scripture in Luke 1, 400 years of darkness, 400 years of nothing from the Lord, and now the oppression of godless nations ruling over the people of God. And then we see something interesting. In verse 5, the Bible says, And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot, Zechariah's lot, was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, incense in the temple was a picture of our prayer. It was that altar of incense that sat right before the veil, and it, the priest would light it, and it would go, that fragrance would go over the veil and into the Holy of Holies, and it was a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. It's a picture of the prayer and the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so that's what Zechariah was doing. And while he was doing that, you'll notice that in verse number 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto, the, unto him the angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 
And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now watch this carefully. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord shall drink neither uh, wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Now watch this, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now what, what, what happened here is as Zacharias was going about his daily routine and his time to burn the incense, and an angel appeared to him and gave him a message of hope. God's heard your prayer, Zechariah. God's heard the prayer of Elizabeth. God is going to give you a son, and this son is going to have the Spirit of God upon him, and that son is going to turn many in Israel back to the Lord. Many fathers are going to have their hearts turned to their children. Disobedient, <coughs> excuse me, are going to be made wise, and there's going to be a people prepared for the Lord. And that's what we want today. You know what that really is? It's a picture of revival. It's a picture of revival. Now, I want to remind you that revival is not just a meeting. We often have revival meetings, and yet we close the meeting and never had revival. Uh, revival is, is uh, not just an experience that we, uh, that we have, but what revival is, now listen to this carefully, true revival is when God sovereignly and powerfully moves into human history with the good news of salvation. And what usually happens is this revival comes to God's people. Now watch, don't miss what I'm going to say. It's when God's people come under deep conviction of their sin and they turn from that sin in repentance. Then those people return to biblical truth and they rediscover biblical authority in their lives. And when that happens, there's a presence of God upon those people and the outpouring of that results in salvation of the lost. You know, our world is in great need of revival. We're in great need of revival. I feel so much like Israel in these days. 400 years of silence they experienced. And then on top of that, they have the oppression of ungodly rulers and leaders. And it seemed that though sin was abounding, and yet God was willing and ready to send revival. Let me give you a couple of principles today about revival that, that God's God's principles of revival are unchanged. God is not unwilling. We need to be ready for the revival that God wants to send to heal our land. And remember, revival doesn't come to the lost. Revival has to come to those who've already been vived. They've already had life. They've already experienced that new life. Now they need to be revived. They've once had life and they've, they've gone to sleep. They've slumbered. They're, they're dying. They need to have that new life and that fresh anointing of God. And that's my prayer today for your church. That's my prayer today for my church. That's the prayer for my life and your life and my home and your home is that God would send a mighty revival upon us by which that return to biblical obedience, that walk of the Spirit of God, the presence of God in our lives would overflow 
resulting in the conversion of many, that God would use your church to win your city to Christ. Let me give you some principles of revival. Number one, what we're going to find from Luke chapter one is that revival usually comes in dark times. Revival usually comes in dark times. You know, all through history, you read the Bible, you even read in American history, uh, there is revival, great revivals of yesteryear took place in the darkest of times. I mean, here's Herod, this immoral, violent Edomite. Uh, he was, he was the, the brother of Isaac. He was, uh, he was the, the, the descendant of Esau. That man now who God said the younger will rule over the elder with Jacob and Esau and uh, Isaac and, and Ishmael. Now you see these Edomites that uh, this Edomite uh, is now ruling over the people of God. He, Herod claimed to be Jewish in religion, but he was not. It was all a ploy. It was all make-believe, and it was uh, to hide his murderous intent. I mean, Herod murdered uh, many of his family members to retain power. Israel had been in silence for 400 years. There was a darkness over the land, and yet the Word of God comes in these dark days to Zechariah. And let me just say something about Zechariah. Zechariah's name means God remembers God remembers. And his wife's name, Elizabeth, means the oath of God. Can I tell you today, we have a God who remembers his oaths. He remembers us and he remembers his promises to us. And God did not forget his people. And can I tell you today, church, listen to me, God hasn't forgotten us. God has not abandoned us. He's not forgotten where we are. He is not, uh, God is not um, unaware of what's going on in your life and in my life and in your church and my church. God God's not oblivious to this. God didn't wake up this morning and wonder how we got in this mess. No, God knows his people and God remembers us and God remembers his oath. I think about Noah being in that ark and the Bible said, but God remembered Noah. God didn't forget about Noah. There was no one else in the world uh, to remember Noah, but God remembered Noah. You know that God knows you today. God knows you and he knows the promises that he's made to you. And God's an oath keeper. He's a covenant keeper. God is not going to break his promises. He's never broken them before. He will not break them now. God remembers. Can I just say that as dark as these days are, we should be encouraged to pray for revival. You say, well, Pastor Miller, just look around the world. Look at what's going on all over the world. How in the world can we have revival? I want to remind you of Isaiah 59 and verse 1, when the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, and his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. God is not weak. Do you remember what, you remember what Moses said? Uh, he said, There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Uh, the Bible tells us clearly that with men, these things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. And God, His hand is still mighty today. And we as a church need to be encouraged to pray for revival. Pray for revival. I want to say, number one, revival usually comes in dark times. But here's an important point. I want you to see this. Number two, revival usually comes through the faithful remnant. 
It comes to the faithful remnant, the faithful people. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not the status quo. They're not the majority. They're, they're, they're the offscouring, the outcast of the world. But those people have remained faithful. And God uses that remnant to bring revival. Look at verse number 5 and 6 we read a moment ago. God's talking about Zechariah. And God's talking about his wife Elizabeth. And notice what he says in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God. Walking in the commandment and ordinance of the Lord blameless. Can I tell you something, Daddy? Can I tell you something, Mama? Can I tell you something, teenager? Can I tell you something, young person? You might be the only one in your school. You may be the only one in your university. You may be the only one at your job. You may be the only house on your block that has the Word of God and is living for God. You may have been the only people on your street to drive to church this morning. I don't know your situation, and I don't know. I just know this, that there is is a world out there that is totally given over to ungodliness and sin, but God has his eyes on that few, that faithful few who are keeping the promises of God, who are walking before the Lord blamelessly. Here was this old couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were old. I like how the Bible says it. Some of you might be able to relate to this. Don't point at your neighbor, all right? But I like how the word of the Bible, they were well stricken in years. You know, to be, to be stricken means to be hit. These people were well hit with years. I mean, life had been beating them up for a long time. They were old and had aches and pains and sores and their joints were swollen and they looked like they had been through the ringer. They were well stricken in years. They were up in years, but they'd been faithful to God when others had been unfaithful. In this land of darkness, when there was no word from God, they just stayed on their course and they fixed their hearts on God and they stayed faithful. Uh, that's not all. I want you to look over at chapter 2, and I want you to think about in verse number 25, the Bible said, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the, and the same was just, that means righteous, and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Here was another man named Simeon, and Simeon had waited for God. He took God at his word. He was waiting for that Savior, and Simeon just walked with God. He had the Holy Ghost on him. He was a godly man, filled with the Spirit of God. In a dark age, in an ungodly age, Simeon was a man living righteously and living devout. Oh, can I encourage you? If you're in your senior years, don't you quit. You can look back and you can say, what has our country come to? What is our young people? What are our young people coming to? Listen to me. Don't get discouraged. You just be a godly person. God can use the aged. God can use the old who've just stayed faithful. God wants to use you. Look down in chapter 2 of Luke and look down at verse number 36. The Bible says, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and forty-four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Here's another wonderful old lady, an old widow woman. Been a widow for 84 years, a widow woman who'd served God faithfully all the years of her life. You know, as we see this generation of progressivism, and we see church 
churches even today who, who uh, have just kind of pushed the older people out, that old crowd. We want to we cater more to the young people. Listen to me very carefully. I want to say to you older folks, you stay faithful to God. Don't get a critical spirit. Don't get a bad heart. Don't, uh, don't, don't backbite or criticize. You get on your knees and you pray for your pastor and pray for your church and pray for your children and pray for your grandchildren. Live as examples. We need to get back to that biblical thing of the older men teaching the younger and the older ladies teaching the younger. And We need to get some younger people that look up to and have an example with the older and live for God and follow that example of faithfulness. I want to say that God used these older people, this faithful remnant, just four of them that are mentioned here, that were living faithful and godly. But that's not all. There was a young couple. His name was Joseph. Her name was Mary. They were a young couple, just brand new to marriage, and they were living faithfully. They were living holy. They were living in purity. Joseph was walking in his justness, and Mary was living justly before God, and God used them in a great way. Can I tell you something, young person? God wants to use you too. God is looking to use the faithful remnant. God is going to use people today who decide to stay faithful. Let the world go its way. I'm living for the Lord. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, a one who is sanctifying the Lord God in my heart, ready always to give an answer of every man that asketh me a reason of the hope that is in me. I'm going to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. God sends revival in the darkest times. God sends revival through faithful remnants. Number three, revival comes to those who have prepared their hearts. God sends revival to those who have prepared their hearts. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, where we read a moment ago, that the Bible says in verse number, in verse number uh, 16, And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. At the end of verse number 17, it said... And to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, God wants to send revival, but we need to prepare for it. You know, if someone was going to come over to your house uh, sometime this week and you'd set a time, they said, hey, can I stop over and come by and visit with you? You know what you would do? You would spend some time before they came preparing for their arrival. I want to say, church, we need to spend some time preparing for revival. God wants to send it, but he's going to send it through people with with prepared hearts. Let me just give you very quickly some things from this text on how to prepare our hearts for revival. Who are these people with hearts prepared for the Lord? First of all, they're people who are living righteous before God. You see, I touched on this a moment ago, but God uses the faithful remnant, those who've just stayed faithful. But how do they stay faithful? By living righteously before the Lord. You know, we need to have the Holy Spirit search our heart today. We need to bow our hearts to the Lord right now and we need to say, Lord, search me and try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, cleanse me of anything that would offend your heart. Lord, help me to be pure. We need to become uh, righteous before the Lord, clean before the Lord. I think about what the Bible says in Hebrews in chapter 4, right after that great passage of Scripture on the Word of God in Hebrews 4.12, about the Word of God being quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But listen to verse number 13 of Hebrews 4. It says this. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Can I tell you, listen to me, you can fool me. 
I can fool you. I could be sitting here today preaching this message with a heart so filled with iniquity. And I can fool you. You can fool me and I can fool you, but neither one of us can fool God. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. God knows our hearts today. Aren't you glad for His grace and His covering of sin? I want you to know today that we need to live righteously before God. If we want God to send revival in this age, we need to ask God, Lord, help me to have a prepared heart living righteously before you. Is there a sin in your life that needs to be rooted out by the power of Jesus Christ? So how do I do that? Well, here's the second way to have a prepared heart. If we're going to have a prepared heart, we need to be sanctified and spirit-filled. Notice what the Bible said back in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says, and he, speaking of John, uh, should be great in the sight of the Lord. That should, be our, that should be our motive. That should be our drive to be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. You know, when God was about to send revival in these dark times, he was going to send it through a spirit-filled man. Oh, how we need to be sanctified. He stayed away from the things that could defile him. Some say that John may have been a Nazarite, according to Numbers chapter 6 and verse number 3. I don't know if he was a Nazarite or not. But I do know that he was distinct from the world in every way. John lived a life that was distinct from the world. He lived differently. He was not controlled by the culture around him. And can I tell you today, church, we must not be dictated by the culture around us. We must be directed by the Christ within us. We need to reflect Jesus Christ to the world. I think about a little girl one time who was walking with her dad. and She looked up at her daddy and she said, Daddy, how big is Jesus? And he said, oh, he's big. And she said, Daddy, is he, is he bigger than me? And he said, oh, yes, yes, much bigger. Uh, Daddy, is he bigger than you? And he said, oh, Jesus is much bigger than me, sweetheart. Well, Daddy, is he bigger than the whole world? And he said, sweetheart, Jesus is bigger than the whole world. She thought for a minute. And she said, Daddy, does Jesus live in you? And he said, yes, sweetheart, Jesus lives in me. Her little wheels were spinning and she finally said, Daddy, how come he's not sticking out? How come he's not sticking out? Hey, let me ask you today, Christian, is Christ in you? Is he sticking out? Uh, do we look more like the culture around us or do we appear to have Christ in us? Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, it is no longer I. He said, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. Christ in me. John was sanctified. He was spirit-filled. He was not controlled by the world. He was not controlled by wine. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. May I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, we need some Christians today with a prepared heart, living righteously. We need Christians with a prepared heart who are living sanctified and spirit-filled lives, filled with the Spirit of God. Can I tell you today, we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible tells us if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
As many as are born of Him are led by the Spirit of God. Oh, we need a fresh filling of, of the Spirit of God. Let me tell you the third way you prepare your heart. Living righteously, Spirit-filled life. Number three, repenting of our sin. Look at chapter 1 of Luke and verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. That's repentance. That's repentance. They were turning to the Lord. They were walking in their darkness. They were walking in their own way. But now they have turned to the Lord. Look at verse 17. He shall go before him in the spirit of, of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, of the righteous. You see, one of the greatest, uh, the two greatest commands in all the scripture are love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, these people had turned their own way. Fathers had been walking so much in their own way. They were not, their hearts were not in their children. Children were disobedient to their parents. And one of the great revivals that God was going to send to Israel was to fix the heart of the father and the heart of the child. All of this came down to one thing. These people were not fulfilling the commandment of loving God and loving others. They were self-willed and they were walking in self-worship. So much of our sin today is all about self. We need to turn back to God. We need to obey His Spirit. And we need to re go and repent to those that we have wronged. And we need to say, listen, I've, I've sinned and I'm getting things right. And I want, to, I want to get things right with you. Is there someone that you've wronged or sinned against? Get it right with God today. Get it right with them today. Can I tell you that our world today builds up in psychology this idea of self-love. Oh, the Bible knocks down the altar of self-love. And God says we're not to love ourselves. We're to be in love with the Lord. And we're to lay our own lives down and deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. This doesn't mean that we don't have self-worth. No, I have self-worth. Jesus died for me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm worth everything to God. Uh, but I am not worthy because of who I am. I'm worthy because of who He is. And I need to make sure that those things are right today. We need some humility. Let me give you the last thing about preparing our heart. and We'll be done today. We must, to have a prepared heart, we have to prepare for the Lord Himself. Look at verse number 17 again. It says, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, that's what revival really is, is when the Lord Himself shows up. It's the presence of God. You know what I need in my heart today? I need the presence of God. When I got saved, that was a coming alive. That was a new birth. That was a revival, so to speak, a coming to life. It was a dead becoming new. It was a coming out of that old life of sin and into the light. And how did that happen? By the presence of Jesus Christ in me. Revival is when we are now consumed again with the presence of the Lord. Think about what happened when Zechariah met the angel of the Lord back in verse number Back in verse number 11 uh, and 12, when he met the angel of the Lord, Zechariah was troubled and fell on his, uh, and fell and fear fell upon him. Think about all the times in the Bible when people met the angel of the Lord. They fell on their faces as dead men. They fell on their face, overwhelmed with fear, and they were just meeting the angels of the Lord. Imagine what it was going to be when the Lord himself shows up. Imagine should not, if the angel of the Lord can put us in such fear, shouldn't the presence of the Lord put us in awe and wonder? 
I tell you today that we need to get back to reverential fear of God? So what I'm simply saying is this. I know the days are dark, but God usually sends his revival in the darkest of days. God sends his revival, uses the faithful remnant. He uses those people who prepare their hearts by living righteously, by living sanctified, spirit-filled lives, by being prepared for the Lord himself, repentant of sin. And can I tell you today that if we will do that, I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe if we get serious with the Lord, God will show up. The presence of God will be in your life. Presence of God in your home. The presence of God in your church. And when the presence of God is in the church, it spills out to genuine conversion around us. And let me tell you what happens to us. Look at verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice. Can I tell you today, we need this revival. Oh, may it be so that God send revival to your heart today.